0: Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful. Conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Tucker, I was sitting in my living room last night getting thinking ahead to today's conversation and looking at a complete set of Encyclopedia Britannica's that my parents gave me A to oh, Z. Oh no. Yeah. And in various efforts to declutter our house, it's there's something I just can't get rid of even though all of that information is now available online.
1: Do you ever see someone try to sell those? Not like door to door, but like I there's someone in my neighborhood try to say, "Hey, free encyclopedias." And I was kind of like, "Oh, <laughs> I mean, it, no one's going to take those. They, they have to be a collector's item
0: in certain circles. Eventually, I mean just the, the volume of information that's in there and the, you know, the, they're all books. I mean, it, mm. it's more than one per letter too. So it might be a volume of thirty or thirty yeah. forty books. It's incredible. Yeah.
1: And well, and to think about, especially our topic today, research how that how that used to be versus how it is now is so different because of the internet. It's crazy. It's different for all aspects of the various types of research that we do. Yeah. It's
0: all completely changed. Well, let's jump in. So, in today's conversation, Tucker and I are going to talk about research and branding.
1: Yeah, and why we do research, what kind of where where it sits in the phase. So we always do research at the very beginning, which makes total sense. Wait um, a minute. So when somebody is, when we take on a creative project, we don't go
0: immediately. To the drawing board and no. to our sketch pads against. and whip, and jump on the computer and whip out Illustrator and
1: <laughs> yeah
0: pen like, to paper against
1: popular opinion we, we don't do go
0: straight to the our brainstorming board and just start
1: throwing ideas yeah. on the wall no well in movies that's what we do in Mad but Men yeah, yeah in Mad Men that's how it works actually he just goes and spends time with like his family or mistress and then just has an idea and moves on right so back on topic <laughs> uh, with research <laughs> yeah. Um, So we, we do research in our discovery phase. That's what we call it. It's basically our research phase. All forms of research get done in this. It's the very, very beginning. This is where we kick off the project to understand what we're trying to do and also gain these deeper understandings. And so when we're talking about research, we're really talking about the investigation into the various sources and materials that someone or a brand has for us to dig into and that that helps us establish conclusions that will really help us down the road when we get down to the next phase, which would be strategy, that brand strategy part. Yeah. The more we know upfront, um, the things that we
0: can learn, understand, clarify, there there are components of getting started with anybody with in any different type of business that we have to get up to speed on. Yeah. Um and, and interestingly, and and oftentimes is the case. Our client has to get up to speed on those things too they take for granted a lot of this background information based on their intuition and their daily and even for us from time to time to step back and to say who is our competition who is our ideal customer um and and to ask some of those questions that we'll dig into here a lot of companies take them for granted and think that they know but absolutely many do but sometimes people are surprised because it's evolved or changed
1: and there's times where we find things that people absolutely they had a hundred percent they had a hunch or they had intuition for it and it was a hundred percent correct but i think that there's this idea of um, validating it and making sure that yep that is correct now let's move forward with an understanding of there's no guesswork we're moving forward with the right facts and figures on our side. So when we talk about research, there's two types of research that people normally do, and this is the quantitative and qualitative research. And I'm going to let you define those in a second, but basically what we focus on is qualitative research. All of our research really hones into that qualitative, and then we have research partners that would help us do some of the quantitative, the market trends, understanding the The different data that they pull we're not experts in data i would never claim to be an expert in data but that's what we really hone our research partners into
0: i actually had to look this up Um, i went to my encyclopedia britannica (laughs) pulled out the queue because there really are two distinctly different types of research and I even think I take for granted from time to time what's the difference and the value between a qualitative approach and a quantitative approach. So, yeah. qualitative, which is the majority of the type of research that we do here when it comes to a branding project, is on the subjective side. It's the words, it's um, we're interpreting the information mm-hmm. that we gather to help us understand the, the why, the how, the what. It's, it's, um, it helps us understand, oftentimes, the emotional landscape in which our customers and their customers or consumers are.
1: Which makes sense if that's what we focus on, right? If, the, if that's much more emotional. Because branding do, is emotional. Yeah, and branding is absolutely tailoring emotions to your products or your services to then utilize them. That makes total sense to me. Versus... Certain marketing
0: efforts like Google AdWords AdWords, would be more aligned, the way that I understand it, on the quantitative side, which is objective, Mm -hmm. numbers-based, measurable. It's the things like how much, how many, how often. Um, It does end up in hard data that then can be analyzed versus on the
1: qualitative side, it's interpreted. Mm-hmm. To make sense? Yeah. Interpreted versus analyzed. Yeah, I think that a lot of people have, I would say that there's similar definitions of those. I mean, the way that you said it, but basically like for me, quantitative is just volume. It's as if we can get if we can get sheer numbers on it and get mm. utilize it in more of a mass research quality. That's what we get quantitative. But for us, we really focus on to the qualitative side. So there is a bit of, If,
0: if research falls under maybe a scientific category, branding isn't scientific. So why, why do we do like, what is, why does research matter when it comes to building a brand, reinforcing a brand, refreshing a
1: brand? From a high level, it's all about awareness. I mean, it's about getting a deeper understanding of those strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats a SWOT, towards a that brand. Classic yeah, a SWOT, marketing SWOT. SWOT analysis. Um, some people call it a marketing SWOT. We call it a brand SWOT because we look specifically at their brand's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. But that kind of differs in the way that we look at things from an internal versus an external. We look at the perceptions and the influences of that brand either today or their opportunities moving forward and their threats moving forward in the future.
0: Talk us through, what's the difference between the internal, you said the words internal and external, specifically when it comes to the perceptions people have about our brand. What do you mean by what's internal and what's external?
1: Well, internal would be then uh, leadership, employees, stakeholders that are inside that organization. External would then be customers or partners. Um, that differs. And we see that a lot. When most people think of they're going to rebrand, they're going to do all this stuff. They only think external. And that really hurts them down the road because then they'll have pushback or they'll completely feel unauthentic to the people internally. They struggle uh, solving their hiring problems, or recruiting problems. So it's super important for us when we do research to not only look external, to talk to customers into partners and stuff like this, of who this organization is and who who should they be, but also who are you from an internal perspective from the employees that have been there for three, five, 10, 25 years. Yeah. The the, the communication that a
0: brand does or the way that a brand communicates with even external, you could even, and we'll do this a different day, but dive deeper into the difference between that partner or investor audience versus your customer or consumer audience. Even if you're a business, you're in the B2B or a business to business category, what potential investors or industry partners might need from you or want from you can oftentimes be very different from what your customers and consumers want from you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the idea isn't to say we need to figure out every single thing that should be said to everyone and say it all at once, but to understand where the values are and to say, okay, so who. Out of the partners or the customers, who are we valuing more in this situation? And to have that open dialogue with leadership as you find these things um, makes it really easy to put a certain value to those research components.
0: So back to the the, the first definition of why this matters, and which is awareness. Yep. Um, the more you know, the more you know, the the better you can do. The more informed that we are about decisions. What are a couple of the key benefits to that type of awareness that comes from doing a little bit of research?
1: Well, the first one's definitely going to be effectiveness of the project. When we talk about something that went really well versus something that didn't go very well, it probably finds itself. The flaw was in the research. We didn't ask the right people the right questions, or maybe there wasn't any budget for research at all, or maybe that was skipped altogether. I think that that's something that doesn't really, get thought of as much as the effectiveness could be all at the very beginning instead of maybe the design wasn't right. Well, maybe the research wasn't right. By way of an example, we're working with um,
0: an organization right now who had an intuition that their product, a new product that they're launching, could be really relevant to a very specific targeted market. And with a little bit, I say a little bit, it wasn't a, a really robust research but with a relatively small amount of research and surveying we found out that that audience had no interest in this particular product
1: at all and that saved them so much money down the road right where they said okay never mind this product extension isn't going to be right for us um and this, what we've already developed, may be right for a different audience, but at least we didn't spend. It's worth spending the couple thousand dollars up front to do that research to understand whether it's focus groups, surveys, inter- interviews, or however it is. Um, it's better to spend that money up front than to spend the money in the long run developing a product and a brand, which is much more expensive to develop the whole brand, then find out later on. So right. right? Totally validated the target market exactly, or, or in this case, invalidated, <laughs> and that was that's number two, right? If we're saying that the effectiveness of something could be number one to the reason why research really matters, number two would be to validate what we're doing and to give us the confidence that, yep, we're putting money into the right resources. Another one of my favorite outcomes, probably my
0: all-time favorite outcome out of research, are the the golden nuggets that happen when. Oftentimes, like if, we're, if we have the opportunity to have a conversation or conversations with customers yeah. of the people that we're working with and have the opportunity to ask them, hey, what do you guys want with respect to this brand that you're working with? Or they wouldn't necessarily think of them as a brand, but you're currently buying this product or service from organization X. What else could they be doing mm-hmm. to serve you better? And sometimes that organization X gets so focused on just doing what they do and doing it well that they don't even realize that they could be doing more, doing better, or heading down a whole nother avenue, um, not just from a brand perspective, but opens up opportunities for the entire Business and its sales.
1: And you were talking about when when we interview customers. I think on the flip side, interviewing an employee who's been there for 10 years and they just haven't had what it takes to come back and say, hey, why aren't we doing this? Because this is a really good opportunity. We just had this happen a couple weeks ago in a project where someone goes, well, we serve this market. But this other market is right down that same avenue and they have the same problems and we already have the infrastructure to do that. Why aren't we doing that and bringing that to the leadership? It makes total sense. And they're like, absolutely. So yeah, we go in with the intent of the intent of solving brand problems. But some of these interviews come out where no one's talked to these people ever and they just want to be heard. And so they're like, hey, I was thinking about this and our job whether it's not moving the brand forward, but our job is to move the organization forward. So if we find those golden nuggets, we put them absolutely in our research and bring them to light and say, hey, you have a problem or, hey, you have an opportunity. We can't do this for you, but it's a great opportunity. You should explore it. So that's another the golden nuggets is yeah by far the best thing. Yep. So um, and I'm going to s- skip to this last one here, but the biggest, biggest reason why we do research versus just hopping right into design is because we want to do everything with purpose over preference, right? Helps us get out of the subjective and into the objective and to say, we're trying to accomplish this for these people and we know what that is. And that's hard to do when you just hop right in. And if if someone's working with a branding firm or a creative agency right now and they're not doing research, that's a big red flag to say, how do we know if this is going to be right? Because we're just relying on our preferences as a leadership team and yep. their preferences as a creative team. Yep, And that's scary because then you don't have any kind of... Guardrails. Exactly. You don't have guidelines. there. You have nothing to hold on to. You have nothing to guide yourself. No fence posts to follow. Yep. that's So there are all
0: kinds of within qualitative and quantitative, depending on a product or a project... That we're working on there are a variety of different things that we would do but let's let's cover the most common five
1: yeah so we wrote down five that we at a high level we do more than this sometimes we have projects that push us outside these boundaries that say hey these aren't gonna get it done we're gonna have to do something else um, like I said earlier focus groups but we don't normally do focus groups that's something that when someone is innovating a product and asks us to come aboard we rely on focus groups but that's not top of our or that's not one of our top five so our top five that we always always do when budget allows is visual research verbal research market trend research interviews and surveys and those five usually cover um, the broad net of internal external we're using these differently So, how about we get into those at a super high level? We can talk about each one of those and then maybe wrap up. So, how about you go with interviews first? So, we've been, which is
0: perfect because that's what we were just talking about. So, we see interviews as a great opportunity to talk to, and it depends on how many with each specific project or opportunity that's going on, but to talk to people and in an ideal way people on our clients team and people that our clients have worked with. So if we can, oftentimes that third party, um, like our clients, customers or our clients, say vendor or partner or investor, they have a different perspective on what that organization provides to people. Maybe a different, um, point of view, um, and it gets outside of those internal organizational walls where a lot of times you inherently get used to thinking the same things doing the same things so love to get an outsider's perspective yeah a connected outsider's perspective and sometimes we'll even talk to prospective customers so yeah. people who shop buy live are looking for a service that's in that category to get a little bit of their their take
1: i i think interviews are my favorite they are the most time-consuming absolutely they take a lot of energy to conduct them we usually do somewhere between a half an hour 45 minute interviews um, and we can gather a lot of insights on somebody then but when we talk about golden nuggets on the why we do this why we do that when when we take things back to the leadership and like here's a couple golden nuggets almost always they come from interviews yep because they're just a knee-jerk reaction this is i like this as well because it's it's really reactive. They're not ready for the questions every time. We send the questions usually beforehand. But when we just have a conversation and it seems lighthearted, yep. they're not quite like thinking deep about this. So we get the most reaction. Intuitive. And yep, yeah, just this is what I think. Yep. And that's where you get just this
0: gold And that intuitive reaction is the way that brands are reacted to. Yeah. When exactly. your brand is Shows up someplace in whatever way, shape or form and an ad on a website on a shelf, you have two, three, four seconds to capture somebody's attention. So it has that you have to have an initial intuitive input to make that type of short time frame experience
1: effective. So if we're talking about the, the longer it takes a long time doing all the other stuff, how about let's talk about the flip side of that for surveys. Um, when we survey people, what, what does that kind of look like?
0: Well, that' great question. So sometimes we'll survey people because the project parameters, timeline, budget, yeah, for sure. and availability just don't let us sit down with a certain number of people. Mm-hmm. We had an organization that we're working with that has a uh, over 100 employees, and the budget and the time frame just didn't allow for us to calendar and schedule with 100 individuals <laughs> yeah. and ask yeah. each of them, you know, a half an hour or 45 minutes of questions. So there's a logistics aspect to it. There's also you get the benefit of allowing people to reply or fill out that survey under anonymity. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Where
0: sometimes if you're talking to somebody one-on-one, there are certain things that they're not comfortable saying for obvious reasons that if you give them the option to reply anonymously, I think we have to do a better job of vetting anonymous responses, especially mm-hmm. if it's a a paid type of survey that we're sending out to make sure we're doing uh, due diligence. But you may oftentimes get more honest answers also.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think people, especially when they, and a part of the anonymity but the idea of sitting down and writing something is a little bit more thought provoking where they could say, Hey, that's the question. I thought about it a little bit and here's my answer. Instead of like an interview, like we said, it's just reactionary. It's this is what I think. So it's coming at it from both sides. I mean, when we could do surveys and interviews to get, these kind of conflicting things where someone has time to think about it versus when somebody has knee-jerk reactions. That's where we get really interesting part. But the thing I like about surveys that we don't necessarily talk about when we do interviews is that one interview can really skew your perception. Absolutely. Right? With a survey of 100 people, you have a much broader sense of, okay, so what are we really hearing here? Maybe three people complained about this, but so 97 the surveys, didn't. So the survey
0: almost gets into quantitative aspect uh, because maybe. you're gathering
1: kind potentially of. more data but it's but it's long form so it's still qualitative um but surveys could be quantitative to say there might be questions on there that are just like uh, rank this from here to here and sure. get some data on it and what's your demographic or somebody some of those answers could absolutely be a part of that but what i'm really talking about is in an interview if you have 35 interviews and in two interviews somebody says something specifically negative about something right Right. and i can't think of an example right now but then if we go into a survey and those there's only two people out of a hundred then it's like okay maybe it's not that big of a deal or like maybe that's a specific event that's happened to them but that doesn't happen a ton that's just that's a one-off or something like that that's where we get the more uh or the less skewed data is on a survey yep and we're We can save this for another day when we get into
0: tactics, but there are a variety of tools that we use. There are things that need to be incentivized to help. Um, How do you get people to respond? What's the best format, um, electronic or otherwise? Um, We can talk about that when we get into tactics sometime. But surveying is uh, incredibly helpful. How about number three? We talked about the, the... analysis and gathering and researching of market trends
1: yeah so we work with some people some great people that help us look at some of these things which would basically fall under the category of market trends and that's really quantitative from an understanding of how much money is in this market where is it moving where's the trends are we seeing a growth are we seeing decline in this are we seeing a difference in the way that people are shopping um The behavior is really interesting to see from a numbers perspective. I know we had a project not too far back here where we had our partner came back to us and they were like, hey, we're seeing 40% year-over-year growth in this category versus this other category. This is a great opportunity to start getting in at this level. And that really validated for them that, yep, this is correct. Yeah, we had another one that did
0: um, market trends on a certain age and demographic that confirm that that customer, consumer base is already buying a comparable product four times a week in this consumable market. So that's enough for us to say, okay, this product, people are actively buying and looking for and consuming this product.
1: Exactly. And that gives, and like I said, that's the validation that I think gives everyone on the team, whether it's client versus creative team, but it doesn't matter. It's everyone on the project then gets a little bit more validation and a little bit more confidence in what we're doing. And it also gives us a better understanding from a demographic perspective on who we're going after, right? When we can get those numbers to say, nope, females that are 24 to 18 years old are loving this product versus males that are 35 to 45. Like that gives us a really great understanding from a creative perspective of saying, okay, now we understand who we're going after makes it a lot easier to tailor that creative.
0: And depending on what industry you are in, markets can be changing and evolving constantly. So this isn't necessarily a a once and done thing. Um, It's a pretty good idea to be, evaluating the trends in your market on some sort of consistent basis.
1: Yeah. And I think that when innovation happens, I think it's easy for everyone to just rely on intuition, but there are so many great data that people can go pull that help us uncover these blind spots that, um, before that we didn't have, but I think the overarching goal for research is to uncover blind spots but i feel like we get it a lot with these quantitative market trends to say hey by the way this is the way the market's moving just so you know we can make a decision based on if that's the way we want to go or not but at least we know so for somebody like you tucker who
0: focuses on the brand strategy side of building this amazing brand The next two are the ones that I get most excited about, which are the, as a creative director, these are the, the, the visual and the verbal having all that strategy now in place, having it validated, having objectives and guidelines to then go into the visual side, which can be incredibly subjective, but to use that data to influence the choices that we make in what the images look like ultimately, um, is critical
1: yeah and when we look at it from a like a strategy like point of view is if the five are interviews surveys market trends visual and verbal research the interviews surveys market trends those are really what we're doing to gather this deep rooted strategy and then the verbal and the visual research really helps us then say okay on top of that top of the golden nuggets that we've found and the market's going this certain way and we're going to go this way and we're going to be positioned like this. How, if we're positioned by X, how are we going to look and how are we going to sound versus how everyone else looks and sounds? And that's very, very interesting. Like you said, coming back to a visual perspective and you're creative director here on this, this is where you're really digging in, right? Yeah, it's, it's amazingly
0: helpful as a step in the process to do to, to research what your competitions looks like, and these are going to be when I get to visual and verbal, I can almost combine them. We're going to go look at what, and it depends on how many are in your space, but the top three, the top five, or the top twenty competitors in your space. What do they look like? Mm-hmm. What are their visuals? what What color palettes are they using? What does their logo symbolize, if anything? Um, What are the types and styles of photography that they're using to tell their story? What's that overall look and feel of that brand? Um, Understanding that landscape is a really great step in then self-auditing and saying, how does my current branding fit within that? But before we get to that audit piece, it's the collection and the review of what everybody else is looking like. Yeah, and
1: I think a part of visual and verbal, we're kind of combining four and five here into visual and verbal research, but that ha- still is internal, external, right? Internally, we need to gather every single asset we possibly have so that we understand what we have today and what can be utilized moving forward. I think a lot of people assume when we do rebrands um, that we throw stuff away. We absolutely do not. If it's still relevant to the strategy, then we keep it. Cause there's equity in what's been used in the past or we tweak it, which is a common thing when we say we can either refine it, refresh it, or completely redo it. That's a, that's a easy way for us to explain that the process isn't just like a, Hey, you don't like what you have. Let's just destroy it and start over. It's no, there's something here. Um, you're successful enough to keep this going and people still buy from you, but let's figure out what needs to be either added or tweaked to keep it moving. Yep. Um, in addition to the, and in addition to
0: looking at what your competition looks like, if your research has helped you hone in on a demographic, like a, a specific gender and age group, then it's also can be really helpful in that, in this process of looking at other brands that are completely outside of your market that have that same demographic. Yep. Back to your 20, 18 to 24 year old female audience, yeah. there are probably countless numbers of brands who have also targeted that exact same audience that aren't in your industry. So I love to go look at the ways that other companies that in our perception are doing a successful job of marketing
1: and designing for that audience to see what kind of messages and visuals they're using too. For sure. And what's working and what's not working and to just learn from other people's uh, attempts at it. I think uh, we've had great success with saying, Hey, this product is for this type of person. And maybe that person, let's say it's an 18 year old male. Maybe that person really likes to play video games. Let's look into the video game market Mm -hmm. and see what they look like and what are they saying to them. And is there anything in there that we could, be intrigued by, or maybe even utilize on our own to say that's really working for them. Well, Um, you'll, you'll see that come to life a lot of times in advertising.
0: For sure. You'll see that whatever company X has determined that their target audience is, one that watches golf on TV. That's why you see that company's products advertise. That's why they believe that that's a viable place for them to advertise because yeah, they're, sure. they're aligning with those similar like-minded demographics. And
1: if you just take that and say, no, we're going to take it into not where they sit, but other brands that they consume and then really pick those apart, then it makes it really easy to then pull the things or the items that really resonate with your current customer um, and it also helps us look at trends a little bit to say, okay, we're moving in this direction visually or we're moving in this d- direction verbally. How can we either get on in front of that or how can we utilize that to our knowledge moving forward? So anything else on those before we move on here? Yeah, I was going to say that there are, you mentioned focus
0: groups before and while that isn't something that we do all the time, there have been a couple occasions where focus groups are relevant especially in that validation help when it comes to the visuals and potentially the the words too. but There are times when it can become a component that gives our customer peace of mind by surveying 100 people on packaging design A or B and getting some data that validates that option A is indeed the one that we should move forward with yeah
1: well I think the thing I like the most about focus groups was when you sit down with a group of let's say 20 people and uh, you ask one question and somebody gives an answer and another person kind of goes well I don't know about that and they start talking amongst themselves this Mm -hmm. is where you get that like collaboration of thoughts that really helps you understand the way that people are thinking and what sets off other people so it's super interesting I know we don't use it a lot but I love when we can Oh and one other word on verbal any sort of research
0: that you should do is to make sure that if your product or language gets translated to other languages yeah to do a little bit of research on if there's any unintended unintended consequences of what those words might translate to in another language
1: and that's something people don't think about ever yep. um, especially if you're a global brand or you're you have the aspirations to become a global brand that's something that you have to 100 percent think about
0: we were working with a company and brainstorming names uh, for a product line and one of the product lines translated to something completely different in Spanish, which was a very similar way of the word that we were reading in English, but it had a completely mm-hmm. different word and a connotation that uh, would not have worked for us. Is no bueno. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, all right. So those are all the, those are the top five that we use plus a little um, kind of add on there with Focus groups, but what about what happens if we don't do research? I and mean, we'll make this quick because we're already over time here. But if 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 we don't do research, what what could happen? Or maybe we haven't done research and we finished a project, or maybe someone listening has finished a project and something has gone wrong and they don't know what it is. And this what is a symptom of not doing good research? Um, one, especially when it comes
0: to the creative process, might be a lack of confidence in ultimately where your time and resources are being focused and invested. You're, if you're feeling like you're spinning your wheels and internally people aren't on board with why you're going after some certain market because that market's not responding in the way that you anticipated because you were acting on a hunch or intuition and yeah. instead of on some facts, that, that's uh, a really common one.
1: Yeah, when I mean, you don't have the internal buy-in. It's really hard to justify something that's gone wrong. Too, right? And I think this even is another point off of yours, but to say there's no internal buy-in, maybe because it has gone wrong and there's really no reason it's gone right. I mean you, they didn't have any rationale right. behind why they did it. If it's three different conflicting
0: opinions on what is the right way to move forward and it's apples to apples to apples without a little bit of data or research to have supported one of them to at least say, okay, we have enough information to go forward with this one. Let's give it a shot. If you don't do that, then it's like a, well, I told you so I, I thought the other way. Yeah,
1: That's brutal. Um, what about number two,
0: lack of marketing success. You launch a brand, you launch a product. Um, if it's not accepted by that market, you might have targeted accidentally
1: the wrong audience. We have, plenty of people that we talked to about this stuff but one time we had a conversation by sa- that someone said oh it's not working for me and the other person in the group said well maybe it's because the market didn't need it yeah and that was almost like a slap in the face but it was 100 percent true it was maybe it just didn't need that product or maybe it didn't need that solution that you're trying to sell instead of trying to fit the solution into your market it's understand what that market's problem is then ha- provide your solution and what's our final one specifically when it
0: comes to what that bottom line is looking for?
1: The lack of ROI. And this, the, the only reason why this is the last one is because it's everyone cares about. Um, lack of ROI is 100% a part of not doing research. If you don't get what you, if you spend $100,000 on a rebrand and you don't get that and way more out of it, then whoever you did that with did not do enough research because it has great upside for most organizations. And if, and, and if there is not much upside, they should find that in the research and then come back and say, you know what, this isn't right because you're not going to get much out of this because you're already doing all these things great. And so I think the lack of ROI is a really great symptom to look for and say, oh, we didn't have as much impact on either our goals that we set out to achieve or we didn't have impact from that bottom line like we thought we would. So research is a key step in making your brand effective
0: so your marketing works so that you can grow your business. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that's what it comes down to is we don't brand because we want it to look pretty and we do all this work and do all the research because if it's not meaningful and it's not going to make a difference for you, then this shouldn't be done. Um, and I think we stand by that pretty strong.
0: Sounds good. anything else, um, if uh, anybody's looking for a set of Encyclopedia Britannica's, yeah. uh, DM me.
1: I think you're going to have to hold on to those for a couple of decades and sell them at like a thrift store or something. Well,
0: in the meantime, if I can help do a little research and find out what they're worth, that would be great. Do you know
1: what the year is on them? I don't, but it's
0: going to be in the early
1: seventies. Oh, ooh, interesting. So I'm sure
0: that uh, some information would have changed. High now. value. But, you should uh, put them in your office i'll think about it okay let me do some research and see if i have some space (laughs) all right thank you till next time susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark guiding marketing leaders who are working to make their brand communicate better stand out and engage audiences to grow their business for more on susner visit susner.com